toxic corporate culture, which was by far the strongest predictor of industry-adjusted attrition, and it was 10 times more important than compensation in predicting turnover. Welcome everyone. In case you are new to the podcast, I would like to take a moment to introduce myself and why I decided as a busy working mom to find the time to put this together. When I was in my late 30s, after working as a surgical physician assistant for about 13 years, I found myself severely burned out. This affected my relationships, my work, my mental, and ultimately my physical health. I felt like I didn't have time to breathe, let alone the time to find the resources to help me out of my burnout cycle. I did find a way out that has led me to a more fulfilled and joyful life. I would like to be a resource for you to do the same. I will walk you through simple steps to integrate into your busy day to help you move out of the burnout cycle. Even if you feel like you don't have time to breathe, you can do this. If I can do it, literally anybody can. Please note, because I am nowhere near perfect, I may slip up and use an occasional minor curse word for emphasis or due to raw emotion. Please be aware. Thank you so much for being here. Let's break the burnout cycle together. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today on the podcast, I want to go into something that keeps coming up for me this week, which is culture. On Monday or Tuesday this week, I heard about a podcast that Brene Brown had just put out, and it was talking about toxic culture. So she had seen an article, and it was put out by the MIT Sloan Management Review called Toxic Culture is Driving the Great Resignation. And after reading this, she got in touch with the authors and was able to have them on her podcast. So this piqued my interest, of course. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, toxic culture, I have to know more. The authors Donald Sull, Charles Sull, and Ben Zwiege, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, it may be incorrect, took over 1.4 million employee reviews to analyze culture in leading companies. And what they came up with was pretty astounding. The top predictors of attrition during the Great Resignation included toxic corporate culture, job insecurity and reorganization, high levels of innovation, failure to recognize employee performance, or poor response to COVID. And then they took a deep dive into toxic corporate culture, which was by far the strongest predictor of industry-adjusted attrition, and it was 10 times more important than compensation in predicting turnover. And as they took this deep dive into it, basically there were five things that were at the top of toxic culture. They described these as having a non-inclusive environment, a disrespectful environment, an environment that had unethical behavior or low integrity woven throughout, a cutthroat environment where people were going out of their way to undermine one another, and abusive managers. I have worked in so many jobs. I mean, I can't tell you. I started working when I was 13 or 14, you know, babysitting. I've been a nanny. I've been, I have painted houses. I have been a fry cooker, a line cooker, pizza maker, 
waitress, lifeguard, ski instructor, athletic trainer, sandwich maker. I mean, I have had so many jobs and I can tell you that the jobs that may not have paid well, but had just great, and I always called it camaraderie. There was just this great atmosphere and that was culture that made you want to stay. You know, it was fun people. It was a great environment. You felt like you could be yourself. You could laugh. You could bring your whole self to work. That's always been the place where I've worked the hardest and I've done my best. It's just very interesting to me that they can now pinpoint these things with data from employee surveys. And I think we all know when you don't feel included, it hurts, right? And Brene Brown, I mean, if you get a chance to listen to this podcast, I'll put a link in the show notes and I'll also put a link to the article in the show notes. But Brene Brown, when she was talking about these top five things that contributed to toxic culture, she was like, these are basic human needs, right? Being included in a community is a basic human need. Feeling included, feeling respected, feeling like people aren't going to undermine you or go behind your back, that people are going to talk to you in a way that is respectful and not abusive. These are basic human needs. And we need to bring humanity back to work. I don't know how it got so off kilter. And I'm not saying that it's off kilter everywhere. But it was really funny to me to have listened to this podcast, read this article, and then I went to a meeting this week. And a lot of these toxic culture things came up in the meeting, meaning what I saw from leadership, which was highly concerning to me because it was on the top of my brain. And then all of a sudden I saw it in my reality. So I kind of fumed about this. I definitely vented about this. And then on Friday, I had a meeting with, and it was just an impromptu meeting. It was kind of this um, walk rounds where somebody came into our workroom and sat down and we had a great conversation and I let it lead to culture because that was what was on my mind. And it was just a great conversation. And what I realized was that, yes, I feel like there is some toxicity in some leadership that I, you know, don't have very much interaction with. But my micro environments, the people I work with every day, we've got a great culture. And we have cultivated that on purpose. The where I sit every day, the people I work with every day, we have cultivated that. And we tend to it. We support each other. We bring our whole selves to work. We ask each other how we're doing. We try to touch base on a personal level whenever we can. And there are busy days. I'm not going to lie. There are days when you walk in and it is get the job done. But when we have the time, we connect. And we do that on purpose. I know that in the past, I have realized that if I don't specifically cultivate that garden, 
that I'm not going to have a culture that I want to be in. And so I am willing to put the effort in and get that effort reciprocated to me. And that is part of growing a great culture. It is just like growing a garden. You have to tend to it. You have to pay a little bit of attention to it. But you also have to know what to do and what not to do. And I think this article really put it into great terms. Speaking respectfully, being inclusive, allowing people to bring their whole selves to work, functioning in an ethical behavior. And I feel like cutthroat can also be rumors behind the backs of people, right? I just feel like, you know, and that feeds into kind of unethical behavior or dishonesty. When you have an environment, especially in medicine, where there has been in the past an hierarchy, it is tough to break those walls down. And having an environment where we're all on the same team, we have different jobs and we have different responsibilities, but it doesn't mean that there needs to be an hierarchy. It doesn't mean that there can't be camaraderie on that team. Everybody doing their job to the top of their ability so that they can help the team in whatever way they can. Just taking a step back from this and looking at, yes, there's lots of things that I feel need to change in medicine. People that are in leadership positions now are the ones that kind of went through a toxic culture when they were 20, 30 years ago, right? Because now they're at the age where they're in these higher level positions. And that needs to change. And I do see it will change, but at least I know that I can help have control over my microculture. The more I talk about it and then put it out on the podcast and fume after there's a meeting like that and tell people that that's not appropriate, that I don't think that is a, is a leader that should be speaking those words or doing those things, I do think helps form a better culture. I guess it's frustrating to me when you want everything to be fixed tomorrow. I just, you know, it's like you want to push the easy button and you just want everything fixed and everybody to be accepted as they are, things to run smoothly. And that's not life. And I think the juxtaposition here is that it's going to take time to make a great culture from the top down, at least in medicine, in my opinion, at least where I'm at. But I do see it changing, at least on the ground floor, to better cultures. And I do see the willingness from the people showing up to make that change. And that's what gives me so much hope for a better future in medicine. And other corporate entities also. The fact that this is being studied and put out there and talked about on Brene Brown's podcast, I mean, this is great stuff and we need to embrace it and bring it into our microclimate. So at the end of the article, they did study, well, what's going well? What helps form a better culture? And things they talk about were having lateral career opportunities for people to move and learn new skills. And for myself as a mom, you know, I love the PA profession because I can change my subspecialty, which has been great. 
to ramp up and take call if I want to, or to ramp down and not take call and have an outpatient job that's not shift work. I mean, all of these things have helped me conform my life to what it needs to be when it needs to be that way. And having the opportunity to do that has been so great for me. I do think that we need to look at that for people because priorities change. You know, before I had kids, it was pay off my student loans. I was, you know, wanted to work, 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 and pay off my student loans. And then once you have kids, priorities change. And then now that my kids are a little bit older, my priorities are changing again. So priorities change over time and allowing people to have lateral work moves is huge. And I think we need to look at different options for job opportunities, not only in medicine, but in the corporate world that allow people to flex with what they need. Another thing they talked about was remote work arrangements. This can be difficult in medicine, but I know I have an admin day that I'm able to be at home. And just the fact that I can throw in a load or two of laundry Or if I'm on a meeting, unpack the dishwasher if I'm not like actively participating or speaking in the meeting is such a huge bonus for me and takes so much off my plate. I mean, it's probably 15 to 20 minutes a day that I can, you know, run up, change over laundry, do something around the house. But it's huge for me. It has changed my whole world and has been a huge boost to why I like my job. Other things they talk about were offering predictable schedules. Now, having worked all sorts of different jobs, I can attest to this. If you don't know when you're working or if you're going to get called in or you're going to get called off, that can be very difficult. And for me, it was also about, you know, planning a vacation six months or 12 months in advance, especially when you need to rent houses or you want to get together with family and not being able to say like, yes, I can be off or I can request off, but I don't know if I'm going to have off. And then, you know, when the schedule comes out, having to shift around shifts so that you can be off. I mean, it was always very difficult. So, you know, having a little bit of control over that or allowing employees to plan ahead and say, hey, I'm going to be off during this time, you know, please, you know, we need to schedule my shifts around it or things like that. But those are things that help employees. And then the other thing that they talked about was company-sponsored social events. This one I kind of laughed at a little bit to myself only because anytime I have an event for work or my husband has an event for work that we have to go to, we very begrudgingly go. I mean, we're always like, can we just skip it? Do we have to go? Like, blah, blah, blah. And like, we kind of moan and don't want to go. But then you get there. And I just, I just recently had one for my husband and I I don't know anybody he works with. And he was like, you have to come. Everybody wants to meet you. And I was like, okay. And I went and I had a great time and I really didn't expect to have a great time, but it was really fun. I got to see who he works with. It was just really interesting. And then we had one for work, my work, not too, too long ago. And again, I was very kind of begrudgingly going. And again, I had a great time. And I learned things about the people that I work with that I wouldn't learn when we're at work because we're rushed. And even though we try to take a few minutes to catch up and see how people are doing, you just don't learn the things you learn about people when it's a relaxed environment. And some of these suggestions that they put into this article were actually like 
potlucks. It, it didn't have to be this huge thing. It was, you know, bringing food and gathering people for a few minutes. It wasn't huge, huge things where it was this big, swanky dinner, sit down, you had to get dressed up for. It was littler things. And that I love. I love things where there's not pressure, right? There's not the big, huge CEO there that you're, you know, worried they're going to hear you say something. It's your microclimate, right? Bringing your microclimate together. And, and that I love. I love it. I love it. I love it. So for this podcast, again, I always try to bring you things, number one, that are coming up in my life so that it's relevant, but number two, offering you little things that you can do for yourself to make a better environment for you. And so I think really sowing the seeds of having a microculture, the people that you deal with every day, even if management isn't where you want it to be. But if you can have a microculture where you're walking in every day to a culture that is inclusive and respectful and ethical, then your day is going to move better. And I know that when I started bringing that to work and started cultivating that, it's grown. And so that's what I would encourage all of you to do. And if you really are in a toxic work culture, which I have been in those toxic states, and I've tried to bring good things to those. And if it doesn't work, it usually means you need to go. I had to leave several places in order to find a better culture. And that was hard. But when you realize it, you realize it. And I hope that if you are in a toxic culture, these five things that I listed will help you see it more clearly and either address it or be able to remove yourself from the situation, knowing that it is a toxic environment. So that's all I have for the podcast today. Next week, you'll be hearing my voice again, solo. And then the two weeks after, I'm going to go straight with two interviews because I have two interviews lined up that I'm just, I'm over the moon about. They are people that have books coming out and I'm just super, super excited for these interviews. So next week, me flying solo again. And then the two weeks after that, we're going to do back-to-back interviews. Super excited. Thanks everyone for tuning in, taking time for yourself hopefully learning something new and being able to take something back to your microclimate. And even if it's your home microclimate, bringing these tools in, because I definitely made my home a toxic environment for years, not knowing. And at home, it was a little bit different. It was more the, I think the disrespectful talk was coming from resentment. And so interesting that this could apply to home environments also. So just a thought, just think about that a little bit. So again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for taking time for you. Thanks for tuning in. Please share this with whoever you want. The show notes will include a link to Brene's podcast and a link to this article, which it's a fairly quick read. I think it's really enlightening. And anything that Brene Brown puts out, I feel like is always enlightening to me. So have a great week, y'all. I'll see you back here next week. Take care. 
If you're really enjoying this podcast, head on over to Apple and give me a rating and review. And also click that follow button so that you know when the next podcast comes out. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. The information, opinion, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in the podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast is not to be considered professional advice. Before starting any change in physical, mental, or dietary practice, you should consult your medical provider. 